The following is an archived podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery. This podcast is entitled Curtain Call. It is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode one. To the distinguished actor of the stage, it is well known that all the world is a stage. Nobody knows who originally said that, but it still rings true thousands of years later. Yes, the stage is the place where people can finally reveal the truth about human nature. But it's not as easy as it seems. A good trained actor must train for a lifetime to bring the human condition to the stage and bear his soul for all to see. But of course, the actor would be nothing without the playwright and the director. That is why today we have called together experts from the field of acting for a frank and frankly revealing look at the world of the stage. My name is Jake Spear, a playwright of some renown, and I am here with my co-host, the great director, Walker Onassis. This is Curtain Call. Today we are blessed to be joined by two legends of the stage, Deacon Beryl and Jasper Lazuli. Now, Walker, are you as excited as I am to pick the brains of these fine actors? (laughs) Oh, very much so. I think that... Many people these days think that theater has, and you know, lack of a better term, died. Theater is a thing of the past, an antiquation, uh, an acronox. And I think that that's very, very much the opposite. I think theater can never die. And who better to show us how alive it is than our good friends Deacon Barrel and the legendary Jasper Lazuli. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much for having me. Thank you for having me. Now, uh, gentlemen, I'm not sure where where you all wanted to begin tonight, but how about we just talk a little bit about your work and uh, the sort of oeuvre, you know, the all these fantastic characters that you've portrayed over the years and the many wonderful stages across the world that you have graced with your presence. Deacon, do you want to give us just a little bit about your background? Oh, yeah, I guess I could spin you a little tale, you know. My name is Deacon Barrel. I'm the only American graduate of the Bristol Old Vic Theater School, where I studied the Hobart technique under Sir Jeremy Irons. I call him Sir Jeremy Irons. He hasn't been knighted yet, but he deserves it. I began my work on Broadway as an understudy for Gina Gershon in a gender swap production of Cabaret that takes place in an alternate universe where the Nazis win World War II. It was called The White Race Will Never Die, and on opening night, the director welded a bunch of armor to a bulldozer and drove it through City Hall. Uh, That was my first kind of break-in, my first kind of taste to fame. You know, my name was mentioned in a lot of the newspaper reports of what happened. After that, I had a few minor roles. I played young BB and BB. I played the face and face off. Um, you know, they had my whole body in green screen. It was not, it, it, regardless. Uh, my breakthrough role, the one that everyone knows me for, the one that got me some headway, is I was in a Broadway production of Oklahoma where I played, as everyone knows, uh, foreign rapist number one. And that was a really, really challenging role because it's just, it's so awful. Uh, you know, what it would... To to get in that mindset is so awful. Oh I just, yeah, phenomenal I, performance though. Phenomenal. I can't even imagine what it would be like to be foreign, you know. But you know, right after that, I I got cast as Hamlet in the Super Bowl halftime show that Kenneth Branagh did with Blink One Eighty Two. That one ended a little chalky. Slash came out underneath me when I was doing my skull thing. But uh, regardless, I am a I like to consider myself now a veteran actor. I've had modest success, and I am a purist. I love theater. Well, Jasper, what say you about your exploits on the stage? Thank you. I want to start by saying, hello, mother, hello, all, hello, thespians and anon. This is Jasper Lazuli, producer, actor, director extraordinaire. If you have a costume that needs filled, I'll be there. Ha! Oh, I've been around the country, seeing this and that. I've been so banged up by the vaudeville circuit of, of nowadays that I don't even know where I come from anymore. <laughs> I do know that I was the understudy of a child actor in Texas, a little little theater in Texas. And some of you know that child actors these days are much more sophisticated 
And it is more to the core of natural acting, so I thought, what could be better than getting straight to the heart of reality? Now, I must list some of my credits. Some of you may have seen me around. I may not look the same as uh, if you were to see me now, but uh, I'm a master of disguise, costume, makeup, an Edith head of myself, I could say. <laughs> uh, I was in the Cuckoo's Theatre very often. I was a resident. Uh, I portrayed uh, it, several characters of John Milton's Jungle Bonanza, the Doctor's <laughs> Muse. Some of you may remember Raw Teeth, very disgusting. Oh, I remember. Great, great job there. I was an anchor and the weatherman in the Seesaw News that ran for approximately, I would say, five million performances. That's just a rough figure, round figure. I was in Volpony in Hollywood. The Ladle in the Saucer is my favorite. It was the, oh, it was the most harrowing storm of a show. People were weeping and shaking, I believe. Were you the saucer in that one? I believe I was the coffee spilling onto the lap of a young maiden. Man, that's a great play. I don't Absolutely. get it. it was oh mar- my god, marvelous! I, I have marvelous never gotten play. it, but uh, you know, I just you know. And that's the thing. I, she I was the ottoman in that one. Yeah, I was the ottoman. That was the high, highest I, I've ever gotten in that one. Uh, lucky, I've been lucky enough to um, experience um, Jasper's absolutely domination of the stage, um, roughly. 200 times many different plays including um some of my own as i've been lucky enough to work with him thank you um he's been in quite a handful i've i've done as you know 10 different versions of death of a salesman he's been in every single one a different character each time but always a salesman a different kind of i enjoyed it the most um when he played the car that eventually does in willie loman i did a massive much of honking do you remember he was, the honking? He was brilliant. He, I, I remember the You insisted on honking. He was also in the... He's the star of The Man Who Knocked Too Loudly. Um, some older ones, The Winter's Occurrence, or uh, Of Intentions Too Great. Oh, uh, The Abominable Don- Snowman. Mm. You know, I have to say, too, I, I scary saw... Scary role. Um, very scary role. I once caught Jasper in a stage performance of The Lottery where he played the scratcher ticket. And I really bought that he was the winning ticket. And that and that uh, short story is a scratcher. Yeah, it's called the lottery, the winning, but it's a scratcher. That's, that's what the twist was in the <laughs> stage the... production that we did. Oh and, man! And, and Jake was incredible writing that. He wrote it in a week. I'd love and, to sink my yes. teeth into that. If you guys are you know running that again or anything you're running, really, well, we, we thought I'm about available running... for acting and 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 whatever measure you want. We you considered know? it. We considered it. We were going to run it a few more weeks, but then we got caught up um, in the production of Daughters and Dinner, and um, and then you know it was just it was such a hit that I mean Jasper. I remember. Oh yeah, you guys. You guys. You guys went longer than the the Swordsman twins. I think Jas- you guys- Jasper gave himself a heart attack. He induced a heart attack for his role. Every night? Every single night. I don't know how he did it. What school? What, what like technique do you use? Would you I'd like to know, to know how that I did kind it? of technique? Baby laxative. Believe it or not, that'll make your heart skip thrice the beats that it should. What about crapping? Do you crap yourself then when you have the heart attack? Uh, just just uh, baby Baby poops. It's a little one. Oh, okay. okay. So I can type up. Or you know, I remember yes. Jasper no, seeing you once good. in a performance of uh, Macbeth, and you insisted on boiling yourself in the witch's cauldron with the tail of Newt and everything. And the director at the time was like, you don't have to do this. And you're like, yes, I do. I have to. And he was like, well, Macbeth never goes in the cauldron in the play. And you're like, no, well, I just think that it would be cool if I did it, you know? It was a new... St- New decision. They weren't ready for that kind of an act. Of an act, I believe it was. It was too much for them. It was too much of a spectacle. People don't want I, I, presents. People don't want the giant bits anymore. They don't want storms. They want a glass of water. Well, uh, uh, the one thing that I find curious too is that Jasper is so. You know, it doesn't matter what the play is. He was doing a comedy. Even I saw uh, Jasper. I saw you in the uh, Broadway adaptation of School of Rock, right? And he was playing the what was it? Were you the stand-up bass or were you the? 
Are you the drums? Anyway, he starts like, uh, uh, you know, he's this cat of nine tails. You know, he pulls out this cat of nine tails in the middle of the page. Well, the other people are talking. They're saying, you know, whatever the movie's about, we got to go win the rock contest for the kids or something. And then Jack Black's got a girlfriend. I'm not sure. But he just starts whipping himself in the back with this cat of nine tails. I mean, I'm talking blood. I'm talking everything. Everybody else is just going on like nothing's happening. Yes. Uh, it's the most determined acting I've ever seen in my life. I couldn't follow the plot at all. Yes. I don't know if the band won. I don't care. Well, that's the thing, too, is the masterstroke on that. I don't know if you could see it because it was such a riot and, and, and all sorts of, of chaos and, and just entropic. But I, I took the cat and I tail and I scratched my back. <laughs> I think that was the funniest thing I've ever done. Oh, it was a comedy. Well, yes, you could say that. You were crying, yeah. I guess you were crying because of how funny it was? This is very funny. You should have been. Oh, you should have been man. on stage. Oh, well, I, I was there. I wish I would have been on oh, stage. You're not there until you're on stage, my man. Oh, I love being on stage. <sighs> That's when I feel truly alive, you know? Yes, you just lose yourself, and then you are truly alive once you lose yourself. You well, know, I, I say as a um, you know, as a playwright myself, I, it always brings me great joy to see fine actors such as yourself, Jasper, bring my written words to life. Well, I'm an actor as well. Oh well, I guess yeah, you too, Deacon. Sometimes you know, We're there's some together. roles that yeah, you can bring them to life. Sometimes but. they put me. I did the face and face off. It's the first five minutes. They show it laying there. They kind of flattened me out. The rest was green screen. But that's my face. Well, we're talking about stage productions today, uh, Deacon, not film. Well, I just, he, it seemed like he didn't know that I was an actor. So I just thought I would do some of the, well, you know, I'm not sure how, you know, I'm new to these things. I'm sorry. Well, we're very, we're very excited to have you here. We're very excited that you're working with us on the pre productions of the stage version of Pixar Sodas. When Slash so, came out of the stage, it kind of came up and it knocked me, and I ended up going down probably like two stories. Um, because I was off the side there. And, we know you um, wore your neck brace for a year after they said that you, it wasn't necessary, but you insisted on well, wearing my doctor, neck brace. Yeah, I my doctors said that in the future I should pay attention to see if I have any uh, like memory issues. And, well, and you I got in touch with I'm my like, office at the time saying, are there any Shakespeare characters who wear neck braces? I want to play them this year. And I was like, well, I don't think I got anything for you. I, I admit that was a little bit, uh, my 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 scope was a little narrow then, so uh, you know, really, we can kind of broaden that to, you know, whatever you got. You know, I don't know if you guys have like an agent or a casting agent or what. Well, I'm not I'm not qu- currently looking for anything, but I am known for a number of different works across many uh, genres. Um, you know, I kind of broke into this industry translating a number of popular contemporary works into Shakespeare. Um, you know, these works include Boondock Saints, Striptease, Paw Patrol Mighty Pups, really just sort of a nice cornucopia of modernity and giving it kind of that Shakespearean flair that is so lacking in today's popular culture. Uh, Shakespeare. Uh, I mean, who can forget Shakespeare? Oh, you know, the I, master. Call, I called him, uh, I like to call him the immortal bard, but that's just me. I like to call him Bill because I think he was just a normal man like anyone else. Some people say it was a, he was also a woman. I like to call him the normal bard because uh, his, he is dead. He's not immortal, but his words live on on the page and the stage. I was watching the History Channel and they scraped some of the paint off of the ceiling in the room that was, uh, you know, where he hanged out in his house. And they said there was some marijuana in there. So it's like, you know. I think he's upon Avon right now. In oh, heaven, Stratford. Yeah. He- heaven upon Avon. Oh yeah, above Stratford, and I and I imagine that's such a good name because I imagine heaven being a lot like being in lotion. Go on. You're in the clouds, you're floating. And I imagine the clouds being such a caress on the cheeks and on the shoulders and on the and the groin, and you know it's probably a pretty sensual, sexual thing, you know. Oh, I can imagine it. I can, I can definitely. You guys can <gasps> imagine that being. Flying sexual. I mean, in the friendly Jan- sky and lotion. He is the, about the softest, most lily white skin I've ever seen in my life. To just imagine him 
slipping oh, and sliding. Oh, he floats through. across a room. Oh, I know. It's 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 remarkable. Oh, and also imagine I I would like it to be lotion because once I get to heaven and let's say the the gilded gates are closed to me, if I'm covered in lotion, I can squeeze through the bars, right, boys? <laughs> right, right past Saint Peter, he won't be able to get his hands on you. I like to think that if heaven exists, <laughs> let's say, um, I would like to think that it's akin to going to a theater show. I mean, what, oh, yes. What, what well, let's majesty. hope so. I mean, oh, they say that all the so world's right. a stage, but there's no guarantee that heaven's a stage. But let's uh, let's hope it is, boys. <laughs> you know, a lot of people say that there's, that, you know, God is, you know, some guy with a big beard in the clouds you know some people some people like to view it uh, you view it like that but to me you know I'm, uh, I, I view myself as an artist god's like kind of like the font of pure creativity you know it's like god is art very yeah, true. I think it's he's like, there. Well the curtain is his beard. And it goes up and it goes down and side to side well when it goes up very, is that like he trimmed well he trimmed his beard or what's the, oh it recedes of course he can do Anything he likes to show you his show. I, I actually played the cu- curtain in a play. Wow. So you were, oh, did you, how did you pull that off? Well, they hung me and I just kind of went lip and they had me, you know, they said. Oh, did you say anything? You uh, no, I just wore my biggest shirt. <laughs> oh, excellent. Bravo. And I wish I were the- there. Well, I, I was trying to, you know, put my spin on it, put some of the Hobart technique stuff in there. Jasper, I don't think you would know this, um, and I'm sure you've had every gig in the book, but, you know, you're you're quite a famous guy. You can kind of get whatever roles you want for me. Sometimes I got to be, you know, the sometimes and I did a play where I was just the shirt. I just guy just crawled on a guy. Yes. It was like a two and a half hour play. No breaks, no intermission. That- People were not allowed to pee. Like you just got to take what you can get. You certainly do. And uh, one time I was, you know, you might find it hard to believe, but I was struggling for roles. You see, I'd done everything. Now, there was this one particular show. I was trying to be cat all wool for the, for the, uh, for Fievel Goes West on Ice version, you see? And I couldn't get, I decided to challenge myself, you see. Now I went in as a completely different perspective auditioner, and I got the part. And then once I did, I threw off my costume, and it was me. I was disguised completely a different person, and they thought I was them. And then it just blew their minds. I had the role for sure. Cat, oh, whoa. That was your audition? Yes. Oh, wow. I don't even like auditioning. It's such a bore. Hmm. So you're telling it's me true, I should rececklessly true. audition for directors who don't want it. Correct. I'll give them <laughs> my right. services. As long as, as long as it's not me and Walker, yeah. But the other director. No. Well, yeah. well, 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 hold hold on. Like, I mean, Jasper has auditioned for one of my plays. He climbed in through my bedroom window one night while I was sleeping, mind you, next to my wife, Linda. And he started barking out lines. And it was it was for what Misery Awakens, I think, and Misery Awakens two, perhaps. Ah, they he did the whole play. He did the, the whole play for me right there, in my bedroom. Oh, did Linda wake up? No, oh, she she was out like a rock. Oh, oh I wow. serenaded a- her. She was simply sirened into a state of sleep beyond. Well, she did meet him because a year later we did the production of Beneath the Cow's Belly, and Jasper was playing the, you know, the very notorious mystic Rasputin, the Russian mystic. And there's a, the dinner scene where he went. I mean, I didn't. This is not in this. This was not in the script whatsoever. But Jasper. Pulled out his penis, the size of Rasputin's penis, mind you, which is about a foot long, and he was dunking in all of the drinks upon the table. Oh wow! There was not a dry eye in the house. Well, there was an actress. Well, because he was splashing, uh, or because were they crying? Oh, you had to be there in the context of the play. It's very sad oh. that he was dunking his penis <laughs> in all of the drinks. It was a very somber moment, and there was an, a a a. a Rookie actress that just simply flubbed her line, and I decided I had to do something very drastic. This show is tanking. 
So I thought, why not get the old soldier out? Because I haven't seen and battle then, in a long time. There was a 10-minute standing ovation after. And I thought, after. why not put him in the Navy? Go right in the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and Jasper comes up to me. And he said, who's that sniveling mouse on that stage? Get her out of my show. And then I didn't see him for the rest of the night. Apparently, he was two states over um, by the morning. I don't know how, but that's Jasper for you. Oh, that's such a legend now. I've heard that in five different theaters off in, the, off in Montana. Just in Montana. I've heard that story. Oh, <laughs> gosh, it just lifts me to be such a part of folklore. For these these normal people, <laughs> plebeians, you know, a lot of people call them that. I I like to consider myself, you know, an actor that immerses with the common man versus you know goes above them and kind of lords over them and you know eats my grapes and drinks my wine on a balcony over their heads as they like chant my name. You know, I could have that, but I you know I think sometimes you know I just want to be like you know like Jeremy Irons. I just want to be a normal guy. Yeah, the only person you really see yourself as being above is Slash, and that's because he came from beneath you on the stage and knocked you well, over. Well, oh, he came from beneath me, and like my leg was on the thing, but nobody told me, and I was locked in because I was doing a last poor York. So I had like the you know I had a power stance in. All actors know it. If you know the Hobart technique, it's a power stance. And so I'm a last poor Yorking and I'm putting all my key into this skull, you know, and, you know, I didn't even see it. My legs were locked. I get flipped over like a tinker toy and go turn down. Then Slash was above me. And at that time, I knew Slash was above me both physically, uh, physically and emotionally. Emotions are well, the key, aren't they? You know, you I, as an actor, um, we're called upon to, you know, practice emotions, you know, anger, like, fuck, you know, and then like you have like joy, which is like, oh, yeah, baby. You know, those are the two big ones. But there's mm. a lot of emotions out there. I think at least seven. You know, in, in discussing your uh, performance with Slash, you mentioned one of your uh, acting techniques that you like to employ and I was wondering, perhaps we could uh, do a little acting exercise with the Meisner technique. Oh, I'm not really oh. familiar with the Meisner technique, but yeah, I, I know enough about it. I think I can, I can do it. We can do it. Oh, it's easy if you try. Well, uh, Walker, would you like to give these guys something to align, perhaps to explore? Oh, yeah. or, or yes, should I please. know? Okay, so uh, I'm going to give you... All right, yeah, I could get a little prompt here. Um... I have a piece uh, right here on a handkerchief. I wrote down this line the other day when I was writing my favorite diner. I still go to every every week um, to kind of you know flesh out ideas for the the, the production of the show, uh, or maybe reading over something that uh, uh, Jake here has said to me. And um, this is something here you can read it as you will. Would you like uh, to would, do the honors, sir? Mr. Oh, Deacon? yeah, please, Jasper. Yes, of course, if you say so. Your will is my command. <clears throat> Carry on. <sighs> okay. Whenever you're ready, take your time. I was once a child, a, ba a baby, even. <laughs> I was a bouncing boy. <laughs> Unspeakable acts of man cannot change this simple fact. Wow. Good God, man. How does he really do it? Good. That was really good. But can you try it with a kind of a, a different inflection? Um, kind of like, I'm thinking like maybe a little, like it's going to sound funny, but a little bit more like goofy. A little goofy. Okay. A little goofy. A little bit more like goofy from Disney. Okay. I'll, is that him? Is well, that goofy? Well, a, little, a little bit. Dial it down a little bit. But yeah. Well, let's the, see. I mean, let's see where. Let's see what we could do with this. Try well, it a he, few times, maybe. He hucks, right? Goofy hucks. He's a... All right. Let me try it. Okay. With the note. Okay. No pressure. We're all friends here. I was once a child. Uh... Baby, even. <laughs> I was a bouncing boy. Unspeakable acts of man cannot change this simple fact. 
Well, that didn't sound very goofy to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there it is. There it is. There it is. Wait you, for can it. Can you kind of maybe splice a little bit of that in there? I got you. I got, no, say no more. I was once a child. <laughs> there you go. A baby even. <laughs> I was a bouncing boy. <laughs> Unspeakable acts of man cannot change this simple fact. <laughs> hey, Donald. You know, now that I hear you say it like and do it like that, I'm kind of thinking in my mind, I was thinking of Barney, not Goofy. Okay, was I doing? I, I won't. I won't make you keep doing it. I mean, if you, yeah, if you're not Jasper, let's see what you can you've have. Got. Jasper, what's Goofy's thing? Is. is he like medically stupid or just a dumb guy? Or is it like a? He's a, he's a he's a fictional dog. Well, so, if you make um, fun, if like if you make fun of Goofy for being stupid, or people like, all right, like that's no, it's like a. I think people think he's like a stud for it. What? That's the way I always. I read completely it. misread the character. I'm so sorry, um, Jasper. Don't. Do any of that? Do, well, do well, actually. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're, you know, Jasper Lazuli. So, well, let's do it old Bristol fashion. I say, give me a ah, lilacs, they tic tac tracks. All right, let's see. I would. I would, I would do <clears throat> I was once a child, baby. I was a bouncing boy. Unspeakable acts of man cannot change is a simple fact. Oh my goodness. I was once a child, a baby even. I was about <clears throat> No, wait, 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 wait. Okay, take your time. There's no rush on this, Jasper. I was once a child, a baby even. I was a bouncing boy. Unspeakable acts of man cannot change a simple fact. Well, I don't think there's going to be any improving uh, on that. Uh, uh, oh, my word. Uh, uh, well done. All right, let's I'm see. So sorry, Very well done, both of you. Let's see what else you could do. It takes uh, a lot Jake, me. let the scribe give you a real line now. Not yeah, my I just think this one's scratch, gonna really... my chicken scratch that I wrote down on a diner napkin. This one's going to test your acting abilities to the fullest extent. Let's see, Deacon, maybe you can take a shot at this one. Oh, yeah, I'd love that. Um, let's take a look here. <clears throat> I am a servant of the secret fire, wielder of the flame of an ore. You cannot pass. The dark fire will not avail you, flame of Odin. Oh, that's pretty good. I, I, I think you could have played Gandalf. Oh, yeah, well... Yeah, you know, perhaps they, we should do a stage production of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, they said Wait, they wanted what you to think go. This is this is this is something I wrote. Oh, oh, that's. It might be coincidence. I'm not accusing you of plagiarism or anything, but that's a line from. Uh, the Lord of the Rings. Well, it's similar when, uh, to one. Gandalf. I was thinking. I was thinking a little bit of that line. Like I was trying to do a play on it a little. Well, bit. Well, that's the line. Yeah, well, I was doing a play on it, though, by putting that line in a, a bigger context. But obviously, I think the, context the distinction isn't here. is the way it's read is the difference. Well, you don't okay, see well, let's, context let's, how many times changed, have people but... done Shakespeare? I'll read some, some actors, including Jasper, have really made Shakespeare theirs. It's a reasonable right, I'll, facsimile. I'll, maybe, like, maybe I could do a different reading of it. Sure, sure. I'm the servant of the secret fire, the wielder of the flame of a door. You cannot pass. The dark fire will not avail to you, flame of Udon. Didn't bite. Didn't bite. Didn't like it. It's not clicking for me. The first one was really good, though. It was a reach. I was going for a reach. I was trying to do something different. I mean, that's what this is for. This is what why, why we're doing this. I mean, am I wrong? This is uh, well, you know... I did my best. Jasper, maybe Jasper can show me how it's done. Yeah. All right. Here we go. I am a servant of the secret fire, wielder of the flame of Anor. You cannot pass. The dark fire will not avail you. Flame of Odin. Oh my god. 
Oh, man. He, I feel like I'm in the mines of Gondor yeah. or wherever the fuck this took place. He's really sweating. Jasper doesn't look good. I don't know if that's acting or if he's just really out of shape. <sighs> Jasper, don't give yourself a heart attack while we're doing the show. <sighs> okay, to, yeah, for the don't stage. take any baby to. laxative. Well, you know. I don't he's done to. it before. He's a pro. Uh, do you want to do it again? Uh, sure. Give me one more time. Uh, all right. Base is loaded. I am a servant of a secret fire. Weird of the flame up and no. You cannot pass. You cannot pass. The dark fire will not unfair your flame of Damn, that's crazy. Did a little sing song. Kind of shamanistic. That's kind of an interesting take on Gandalf. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not Gandalf who says that in my version, but. Oh, well, your version of what? In my version where this line appears, it's a whole different play, and only this line is a kind of a reference to Lord of the Rings. Oh, well, I haven't read it yet. The Lord of the Rings is great. It's actually mine is actually about the Olympics. Oh. And there's a secret oh, kind of an interesting take. And someone wields the flame. Um, oh. I don't know. It's a lot to explain. It's Udin's flame, I think. The yeah, well, Udin is complete complaining. Is competing in the Olympics, so he's complaining. His flames too hot. Yeah. Well, I was thinking more of like, I am a servant of the secret fire, <laughs> wielder the flame of an oar. You cannot pass. The dark fire will not avail you, flame of Udun. Oh. Hey, that's great. Maybe I, you have something I could direct. Maybe I could direct now that you're doing all of the acting. You know, well, I'm a director. I tell people that maybe they should read maybe, the line a certain way. Maybe I'm we, the director. yeah, maybe maybe you should leave the acting to the people, you know, who went to the you know Brister School. Now I have one more that you could act out, uh, Deacon, if you really want to. Sure, I am an actor. That's what I do. Okay, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Do you want me to do a voice? Do you want me to do the voice, the same voice he does, or is this something different that well, you wrote? Let's see what you could do with it. Hmm. A lot of different directions I can take this one. Let's Very see. Very somber, maybe, yeah. or just think of your childhood, maybe. Perhaps, happy thoughts, sad thoughts. Think, think of a a golden rocking horse that has melted down. Think of your to form a sword. Oh, think oh. of your favorite Christmas. Don't you ever. Touch a black man's radio, boy. You can do that in China, but you can get your ass killed out here, man. Oh, that was really good. Mm. That was impressive. I believe that. I say. You know, you, know uh, uh, you say it a lot. Certain lines you can just, you know, lock into. I guess, uh, you know, I always say, you know, I give all props to the Hobart technique. It's you can just really break things down. And uh, or a very interesting technique. Jasper has utilized this one many times during our productions. He doesn't look at the script at all until about an hour before the play. And then he reads it once, puts it down, walks onto the stage and does the show. Is that true? One and done. I did not believe that rumor. Yes, it's very difficult. This is like a, a waking REM type of uh, sleep. You see, it's 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 quite difficult to to pull off. You know, it, Wait, you, are you sleeping right now as you're talking? Or are you sleeping on stage and acting while you're sleeping? Well, you see, I'm in a very special place right now, and uh, I'm definitely right. not. I'm in a, uh, I'm waking. Yeah, walk. You see, I'm st- I'm awake, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm sorry. This is too advanced. I'm simply yeah, lost might, in the sea. It might be too advanced for me because I'm not even sure why you're sitting in that big martini glass right now. I don't know even where you got that, or you, you know. I was wondering when one of you guys were going to mention that he's sitting in a big martini glass. Well, I have and a I rash. guess no one did. I have a rash in my groin. You know, it's it doesn't just really kind of answer. Movies. It doesn't really answer the question. I do notice that it is. He's fi- more comfortable in the glass. Is chair. the glass filled with lotion? Is that why you mentioned that earlier? Oh no! It's, o- just, uh, it's okay if it is. I was just thinking. Oh, uh, Jasper, do you want to try to try to do a, a read for that line for us? Would you treat us? Oh yes, of course. I, I would love to. Oh dear! Upon my soul, 
There we are. Let's see. Let me just uh, let me memorize. Okay, I've read the line. I'm closing my eyes. Ah, give me a second. Don't you ever touch a black man's radio, boy. You can do that in China, but you'll get your ass killed here, man. Oh my god, I don't know whose wow. read I like better. Those were both phenomenal. That sounded like it was just from the movie. Yeah, Rush <sighs> Hour. <sighs> I know. Wow. Well, it was a play before it was a movie, but I, I see what you mean. I know. I know. I know. I was well, in I it. I also know. I know. I actually... Excellent. You know, it's weird because you know, that line usually got yelled at me when I did it because I played Jackie Chan's role in the Rush Hour play. A lot less stunts. No stunts, actually. None. People were pretty upset that there weren't any stunts. You know, but I said, I don't want to do stunts. I think it's tacky. I think I'm going to sit on the couch. Well, uh, Walker, do you have any more lines you'd like to have read or or shall we move on? No, I don't. Well, I think maybe now that we're warmed up with our acting chops here, it might be interesting to do a dramatic read of a scene. Um, Ooh, as I was saying, oh, you're, I was alluding, you wouldn't. I was alluding earlier. I'm a bit of a Shakespeare buff, you know. I've been, I've even been known to write a little Shakespeare. Uh, works like Macbeth, uh, Julius Miser, Romeo and Juliet, the sequel. Wait, are you talking about Shakespeare or Jake Spear? Well, these are Jake Spear originals, but they're in the tradition of Shakespeare. Uh, a mid, a Midsummer Night's Thing. These are all Shakespeare originals, oh, kind of in Jake that Spears. world. Yes, oh. yes, yes. But I have something even more exciting than that. They call you, you the like mortal bard. <laughs> That's right. I am. Uh, well, it hasn't really been proven yet because I'm still well, alive. You know, we you don't know. Be, yeah, yeah. You, all, you know, you're temporarily mortal. I believe you know, you're on your my, way. Oh, pardon? I said I believe you're on your way. I am on my way, but uh, it remains to be seen just how mortal I am. But. Uh, you know, I have something extraordinary here, which is what is believed to be a lost work of the bard himself. A one Mr. Uh, Shakespeare. The mortal or the immortal bard? The immortal bard. Yeah, you said this is something you wrote, right? No, I believe this is um, thought to be written by the bard himself. It says Jake Spear, written by Jake Spear on the front. It says right on the cover. Photo. Okay, well, maybe, maybe you can uh, decide once you've actually heard this. Some say it sounds exactly like the bard. Oh yes. Okay, let's. Oh wow. Oh yeah. All right. Who who will uh, be playing the role of what? Well, we have four. Well, I am the director. Roles um, here. Well, we're gonna have to. Everyone's gonna have to take some kind of role here, because we have a number of them. Oh, I see. Ah, uh, yes. Why don't uh, I take the role of the dragon? Oh, that sounds good. Um, perhaps Jasper, you want to play the role of. Uh, the king's son, Timothy. Very well. And how about Deacon? You play Isabella, the princess, and I'll play Theodoro. All right. Deacon's so, got to play the woman. But <laughs> this this work is entitled "The Dragon and Wizard of Venice." Um, just to give a quick introduction to the characters here, we have the king's son Timothy. He is the king's son. Then we have Theodoro, whom I will be playing. He is a noble and wise courtier. Then uh, Isabella the princess, she is the fairest princess in all of Venice. And the dragon, he is a local dragon of Venice. Maybe we ought to just jump right into it, though. Um, Wait, William Shakespeare wrote The Merchant of Venice. Yeah, I believe that this is thought to be some kind of like sequel or side story of that. By who? A a A response. It was a response. Yeah, it was a little bit of a response. From the people of Venice. I mean, I wouldn't speak on his behalf, though. I, I wouldn't claim to know the ways of the immortal bard, but uh, perhaps, Jasper, you could get us started and set the scene here. Very well. Ah, let's see, let's see. Okay, warm up. My name is all right. Very well. Let the story commence. Ah... It is such a pleasure to be in fair Venice. 
with the beautiful women who reside herein, whose soft skin doth flow like the river, and whose beauty is like the flower in the field. Yes, fair prince. Indeed, this is Venice, where the wine doth flow like the river with the gondola in it. But pray tell, what business have we here in this far-fetched land? Oh, why, fair Theodoro, are you not one of my father's greatest courtiers? Surely you know that at this time of year we like to go a-birding in Venice. Ah, yes, the birds of this time of year are quite ripe for going a-birding. <gasps> Wait, hold up, Theodoro. Isn't that Isabella the princess, the fairest princess in all of Venice? Uh, uh, why, it doth appear to be so, my liege. Isabella, the princess. Oh, her cheeks are as rosy as daffodils. Her breath smells of cinnamon, the rarest spice in the world. That ten thousand million men would die to find a small container of. And her hair is the classic color brunette. <laughs> but surely she is too good for me, a lowly British prince. <laughs> Perhaps we should just go a birding and forget all about this. Timothy, thou art the son of my king. You say you wish to go a-birding, yes? Well, perhaps you can go a-birding right here, since bird is a British slang for a girl. You know what I mean? <gasps> oh, yes, that, that, that is some crazy wordplay worthy of the bard himself. I brought my binoculars to go a-birding with, but now I shall cast mine eyes on this fair maiden instead. Hello. It is quite fetching to see such a noble sight here in Venice. You must be the prince of the faraway land of England, the king's very own son, Timothy. Oh, then you have heard of my small island nation. <laughs> the sun sets on us quite often, but we're hoping to change that. <laughs> but I can see that the sun never sets on you. For you are as radiant as a thousand suns, and as splendid as two hundred suns. And your lips glow with the fiery passion of two one five suns. Oh, my word! Doth thou speak so eloquently of all the ladies of Venice? Oh, no, madam. Only to you when I see your face that is burning and boiling with passion and like uh, 700 suns. I was just about to go a-birding, but now I'm too distracted. I probably can't find birds with my mind thinking of your face. I love going a birding. Mind if I look in your binoculars and try to find a bird? Why, yes, madam. Twould be my honor to have your peepers a birding in my binoculars. People in our time find that line to be rather raunchy because there's some double entendres in it, I think. Oh, there's one. It's a lark. That's basically an old-timey kind of bird. But wait, what's this I see? It seems there is not a bird, but a dragon, lifting up the king of Venice and taking him away to the dragon's lair. Oh, drat! And just when the conversation was flowing with this young maiden... Can you two go save him? He is my father, and he will give you a fortune of gold and my hand in marriage, probably, if you can if you can weigh him from the dragon's clasp. Okay, fine. But uh, do we need to dress up as women to do it? No. I bet you can just stab the dragon at his castle. That ought to do it. But wouldn't yonder dragon be more likely to welcome some fair young maidens in his castle than some guys? Well, no. Uh, no, he he doesn't really discriminate like that, but... Come, uh, loyal Theodoro. 
We must away to the nearest women's closery to swaddle ourselves in the finest silken garments of thy clothes makers of finest. So the dragon will be fooled. Now it is the next day, and here we stand upon the precipice of the dragon's castle's front door, garbed as we are in the fineries of a woman's clothing. Perhaps this dragon will be caught off guard. All the easier to slay and fell him to return the king of Venus to his rightful throne. Who stands at my door, talking about the king I hath taken away from yonder Venetian throne? It is you, foul dragon of the Venus mountains. With one swipe of my blade, thine brain shall be placed upon thy floor of stone. The king shall be back in his rightful throne room with his loyal court at arms, swinging a flagon of mead and slinging his favorite salts. Not so fast. You forget about my dragon's breath, which burns with the heat of basically 220 fair maidens' bodies. If you saw a hot maiden, it would be like more than 200 of her, basically. To put it in terms, you understand. Ha! Nothing can stop me in my pursuit of killing thine dragon body with my blade. For I am in love with the princess who dwells upon yonder shores of Venus. And she shall be mine when my steel blade doth cleave thine dragon carapace in twine. Okay, well, here I come with my dragon breath. Yah! And here I come with my sword of steel. Ah, it. Ah, I have driven it into the very beating heart of the carapace of this hulking beast, felling him with a single blow. Ah. Wait, young prince, look what else happened. The dragon's hot breath hath melted all the skin off the king's countenance and visage. No more of him yet remains than a skeleton. Okay. Theodoro, please put his skeleton face in my hand. You mean his skull? Yes, my lord, I shall do as you say. Okay. I'm holding it now, and I am looking at it. Alas. Oh, alas, poor king of Venus, we hardly knew ye. Oh, it's too bad about the dragon. But let the record show that I did kill him with my saber or blade. However, in this moment of tragedy, I must point out that thine daughter is an eligible bachelor, and I maybe she will put me into the very throne of this kingdom of Vinice and make her king. Me? <laughs> you know, something could happen. She's king, but I mean, me, me, me king. My lord, becoming a king would make you nearly as powerful as a god. Uh, dear Timothy, I was watching the whole thing. I was trying to go a burden, but I saw your fight in my binoculars instead, and I accept your a marriage proposal. For now you shall be the king of this land of Venice, and the people of this land will be heartened to know that their king is a just, and like he's a, and he's a noble king. Truly, this is a fairy tale ending that could only come from the pen of the noble bard himself. <laughs> you know what they say about the rider and his uh, pen. A big pen equals big penis? No. The rider's pen is exactly as mighty as the sword. I believe it was the great rider Shaka Spear who wrote that. But my lord, isn't the pen mightier than the sword? Oh no, oh no. They nerfed the pen because it was OP. But I have not time for these trifles. Come! Or it is time to make me king of all Venus. Oh, it, hooray for the king whom God has bestowed upon this land. Oh, wait. Fuck. It's really rocky over here. I actually fell down right upon my sword. Oh. Fuck. Well, it was all going good for me, but now faith has intervened and made a mockery of... Man and king alike. Oh, no. No. I cannot live, perchance, in a world without my king by mine side. Alas, now I must die by thine sword as well on purpose? Oh. No. 
Ah, what a tragedy that hath befallen the land of Venice, where the merchants roam free and the rivers run with water. Ah, yes, these scenic routes where people do laugh and walk and do their shopping. Now the rivers of water run red with blood, metaphorically anyway, because the king and his good queen hath died from the sword. It is so ironic how sometimes things go wrong in the ways of kings and queens. But perhaps a bard could elevate this story into a sublime tale, so that even the sadness of its tragedy shall bring joy to the ears and eyes of the people who watched the play, as they hear the mellifluous sounds of the words that the great bard hath written. The end. Wow. I really liked that play because the end of it is just about how good the play is. Bravo. Well, I think that remains to be seen. It's up for the audience to decide, but I feel like Shakespeare outdid himself with that one. Well, I thought you wrote it. No, I think I'm pretty sure it was a found work of the bard. Why? Why won't every time we ask you if you wrote it, you look at the floor. I was just hoping that like. If You're I doing it you again. That, You're looking at the floor well, right now. I was hoping now. if I told you that you would believe it was by the bard, you know, because I'm trying to like get on that level. Well, is it okay? Well, you can't. Are you just, saying it's not as good as the bard? We already believed you when you said if you said that right off the bat, and you didn't put your name on the on the cover of the script, we wouldn't have known. Okay. It Do you like really mean William that? Shakespeare? Well, he said nerfed. I don't think Shakespeare would have said nerfed. Who's to say? I thought he invented that Well, I didn't think word. it was a word. I don't think it was a word back then. I think, no, I think he made it up. Oh. Well, the brand Nerf that makes the, the toy guns and the footballs got that name because it is a synonym for soft, which yeah, was from invented Hamlet. by William Shakespeare. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you I know, I this, guess I I would I say have... this about the pros of the bard, um, just kind of speaking extemporaneously here. I feel that um, although Shakespeare's prose was in many ways Shakespearean, I think many scholars will also find it to be quite Elizabethan as well. Oh, and, yeah. Um, I think at times it's quite, it's a bit Kafka-esque. Well, I don't know if I would go that far, but I just think when you think about a word like nerfed, that it kind of explains where that's coming from because of how you know, Shakespearean I, it is. I, you know, I actually, you know, I know somebody had to play, you know, the one female role because there's four of us, but, and, you know, I really feel like I have just a natural ease of sleep slipping in and out of, you know, female roles and I can kind of adopt that personality. Yeah. I think you did a pretty good Venetian accent there too. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, you know, who's very good at playing women. Are you going to say Jasper? This is Jasper Leslie. He did a stage production, a one man production of 12 angry men, but he made them all women. Oh, one angry woman or 12 angry women. Not 12 angry men, but they're played by women played by Jasper. Oh, okay. I understand. I get what you're saying. You get it? You, yeah. It's kind of meta. It's, yeah. You get what I'm saying? No, I get meta stuff a lot. You know, I played uh, James Bond in a stage adaptation of GoldenEye 64. Oh, wow. Yeah. Was it, what'd you play the golden gun? <laughs> no, I played James Bond. So, you know, there was a guy, another guy, oh. great guy, Brian, you know, one of those guys, you know, he kind of invades your space a little bit. doesn't really get what you're going for, but he played the golden gun and I was carrying him around every night, you know? Was it kind of like a cheerleader thing where they make a pyramid where you're just holding guys over your head to signify your guns? Well, or? no, it was like a dinner. It's kind of like a dinner theater, you know? So you're just kind of like, you know, you do you know, your thing when you can. Not a lot of people know this, but I actually, one of my earliest plays was for dinner theater. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was called Hitler's List. What was uh, what was Hitler's uh, List about? It was kind of a prequel to Schindler's List. Because, you know, I saw that movie, and at the end of it, you were just wondering, like, why is he doing all this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And it turns out it's because of Hitler. So I kind of made Hitler's List to sort of explain the backstory. It's like, yeah. It's an ans- it's a response to Schindler's List. Like he's got no, lists well, it's too. a prequel, but it's kind of a response. Yeah, but that the prequel beforehand. is like an artistic response, you know. Yeah, it yeah. was it was not very well known, but this was early on in Jake's. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I got turned career. down by everybody. But you did, except you did have theater, that so. one. You, you did have that one later on. Um, <laughs> later on, like twenty years later, the good Nazi that was a big hit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it was about Hitler's nephew who never did anything wrong to anybody. He was yeah. just kind of like hanging around. But he was still on board with his uncle's stuff. 
Well, like he didn't do anything. Well, he rode the he same was, train as. So he, he was, was a mostly, member of no, the party, but, the but he was a good guy. Well, his nephew, his nephew, uh, Hitler had to bring his nephew to work and whatever, and he would just be playing blocks on the ground. He wasn't even paying attention to what was going it's, on. It's, he didn't do it's anything hard wrong. to say, you know, to judge a man or you know the or sum of his life's worth, you know, because you know, or a boy, you know, because we all wear masks, you know. You know, in our day-to-day life, we're always wearing these masks, you know, and acting isn't really about wearing the masks as it is much about taking off mask. Richard Nixon mask, hockey mask, Austin Powers. We all have garages full of masks. We all wear masks. And when you're acting, you're not allowed to wear, like, and I know this is like boring technical talk, but if you're playing like Willie Loman or something, they're not going to let you wear an Austin Powers mask. You got to take that mask off. You know, really show the audience who you are. You know, your face, like physically. Well, I think that outside of um, theater, which we all live and breathe, I think that many of us wear masks. And when you're on the stage, that's like your true face. Oh, yeah. When you're playing those characters. No, my house is full of masks. I like to just, you know, at a long night when you're by yourself, you know, that's when you can kind of really feel like yourself and put your mask on. And, you know, I'll cook dinner in my masks. I'll, I'll, I'll eat in my masks. I talk to people on the phone in my masks. And, you know, no one would ever know because I'm there alone wearing my masks. I myself, I have an archive for, for masks. You know, I have a, a section of my uh, estate that uh, I walk into, and if I'm feeling like, uh, ooh, I want to be a boogie boogie man, uh, I'll just put that one on. I got to go to uh, XG uh, volume 42. That's a bit three floors up sometime, and then I'll climb up my fireman's pole and pull out that mask for the day. Bombs, bombs your uncle. Yeah. You know? uh, you know, I wear so many masks and it's, I have so much makeup. I'm such a, a shapeshifter. We have so many costumes. I, I, sometimes I lose track of myself and on my vanity I have a nice photograph of myself. And so I never forget what I look like. But then I look in the mirror and then I look at the person in the photograph and then I just get more confused. So I have tape recordings and I say... Uh, Watch this if you are too much of a rocketeer or something. You just put this in the VCR and then it will go through my whole life story in about five yeah. minutes. And- I have a I have a notebook that says, you know, that'll basically be like, do you like do you remember like going to 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 the theater when you were sixteen? Do you remember this and do you remember this? Do you remember your dad's name? Do you remember it's kinda like I got the tattoos too. Where it just kind of reminds me of like my name and what I look like and you know which one's my real face, uh, and not to just live permanently in the mask, you know. Yes. It's, well, I think we're. Oh, oh go ahead, Justin. I was about to say it's also like it's so confusing and it's very easy to lose yourself. And I think sometimes I like it's like letting a little demon inside you and it, oh, and it yeah. starts piloting you like a mechanized yeah. robot. And it starts wheeling you, and it's controlling you by every woman, and all of a sudden it's like, that's not you anymore. Yeah. You go from here to here, Hammond, you go from here to Hammond, here. drive, like take over. I am a vessel for you. Act through me, you know, all kinds of, you know, pentagrams, salt circles, blood, whatever I need. <laughs> Whatever you need to kind of get that. Whatever it takes. I think we're going to be coming up on uh, coming up on time. Actually, that doesn't feel like oh dear. it's been an hour. But uh, I think a final question I want to ask both of you yes. as actors: What made you want to go into this profession? Or I guess better uh, before you say, I think I always knew I was an actor. Uh, I guess when did you have the realization? Because I know you're both going to say that. Well, um, Jasper, if you don't mind, I, I do have a story of kind of when I kind of came into my own. Because I think when you're you know you're 18, you just say you want to be an actor. You you don't really know all that entails. And I was a young guy. I had a good jawline, so they let me they let me fart around a little bit at their school there at the Bristol Old Vic Theater School. And I was working under Jeremy Irons. Everyone loves Jeremy Irons, and. Um, you know, he Marvelous. taught he taught me about the Hobart technique, and that's when I realized acting isn't this. You know, you're not just going up there and pretending. You are, but there there's tools, there's tricks, there's all kinds of things you do to bring yourself into into the present more. And Jeremy Irons really broke down the Hobart technique with me. And uh, for those of you who are not familiar with it, um, so kind of like 
you're looking at a woman, right? And um, you want to kind of say how physically attractive that woman is. You use like a number system. You guys are familiar with this. You'll see, you know, that girl's a real five means she's average because five is in the middle of one and 10. And you say a girl's a 10. That means she's really smoking hot. And a one means, oh, you know, I don't want to say this in this kind of climate, but I'm going to say it. I have to. I'm compelled to it. You know, one might be more fugly. And, uh, and this you start is an realizing technique you're describing. I'm sorry. This is an acting technique you're describing? Yeah, this is like the beginning part of the Hobart technique. And then you, you'll you be like, okay, well, a girl, you know, she might be, you know, physically, her body might be very attractive where her face is not that attractive. We call those a butter face. And those could be anywhere between three and seven. And then you're going to have, um, you know, women with larger breasts that are going to quantify for things like this. And really, at the end of the day, there are ways to quantify it, but you kind of do have to make a judgment call on what number you think these women are. And Jeremy Irons took me all around England. Uh, we judged all types of women, quizzed me. What do you think that one is? She's six, she's seven. What about her teeth? Um, you know, what about, you know, you get in close, you know, personality doesn't really affect it. It's kind of like a thing that we do. It's, you know, he always said, no, you, her personality other than like a smile or something can affect it. And basically um, you kind of figure out, you know, um, what women are rated. And that's the Hobart technique. And this has uh, improved your acting? Uh, yeah. I mean, just for instance, when we were doing uh, the Dragon and Wizard of Venice, your play, uh, great Shakespeare play, um, I, you know, my motivation, I was thinking, okay, like she's a princess, so she's at least a five, right? But, you know, she's kind of, you know, this guy is kind of a fool and he gets with her, so she can't be like a 10. So obviously I didn't play her like a 10. Because a ten's gonna be clicking around in her high heeled shoes, right? She's gonna be like, "I'm bored. I wanna. I gotta go to the bathroom." So like that would be like a ten. So I didn't play it like that. I played it more, you know, like a six, like a five, you know, in the right light a seven. But you know, these are all parts of the technique. I, I, I kind of you kind of lost me there. I was kind of asking why you became. Um, it's fine. Um, thank you for sharing. Hey, no uh, problem, Deacon. I love acting. Uh, Jasper, we would love to hear your answer to the question. Oh, it's quite a silly story, really. But an old chestnut. Ah, it's such an ancient. Would you? Oh, please, will you tell us, please? I, I, ha- I simply you. have on, to. Know. I will tell you. It's very tragic. Lots of drama in it. <sighs> so strap in, young chaps. Now. It was a long time ago. It was a rainy day. My mother, we just put her in the ground a few days back. We were left without a mother. Myself and my three brothers. And I believe it's when I was looking through that window in the kitchen, through that rain, to that light outside, the moonlight, and I thought, what a strange feeling, looking through the window and the rain on a wet town, and for some reason or another, I, I thought, that's it. That's what I have to do. That is my solution for our problems. We've got no food. We've got no money. We've got, we might lose a house. That's what I do. I'll portray my mother. I'll dress up as mum. I'll be mama. And I'll raise my brothers and sisters. Well, I remember if we had sisters, I raised them anyway. I shoved them out the door as fast as I could. Because I was really tough being a mother when you're, <laughs> when you're simply playing the part. It's not your real role that you were born to play. But um, I think after a while, I was like, damn, you know, I'm good at being a mother. And I think that was it. I don't, I don't seem to remember. It's a long time ago. It's quite strange. Oh, uh, and you were just your mom? Yes, I was just the mom. When did and you th- stop being your mom and start being you again? Are you still, do your brothers still think their mom's alive? Oh, no, they they knew it was a gas. Oh, it was a gas? Like it was like a gag? Oh, or they, it was- well, I will say that for the first, oh, like uh, seven years or so, they, 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 they didn't notice it at all. It was like, it was like, I played it up as a big gag. I was like, oh, sorry, I didn't die. But uh, I had to send away a uh, you know, little 
a uh, little Jasper for a bit, and he had to go to Juilliard, you know. Oh, then, I get it. Was there a moment that they found out, or did you pretend to die as your mother so you could get out of the ruse, or? Oh, it was it was quite silly. Um, I believe I, I just had to get it off my chest. There was, see, we were, there was a big party we was at, and uh, you know, it was a big ballroom, and and I, they all wanted me to dance. And it's like, oh, I can't hoof it anymore. I'm such an old maid. I cannot do it. And so she was like, kind of like a like a, a, a like a two or a three. Oh, it could have been. I think, I, you know, I had my fuck me dress, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say like a, yeah, like you a know, four as, on the right as, as much as an old widow could have, you know. <laughs> right, right. The old widow, you know these old widows with their fuck me dresses. It takes them from a two to a four. Uh, um, Jake, do you have any more questions for our wonderful guests? No, you know what, uh... It it pains me to say, but here on Curtain Call, I think it's time for the final curtain to drop. You know, we've had a, a wonderful <sighs> hour filled with magnificent insights about the stage and thus the world, because the world is a stage and vice versa, as we have learned. Yeah, yeah. So I believe we must bid each other adieu, gentlemen. Ah, Excel. yes. An acting goodbye to you. Strike the set. Okay, well, everyone, thank you for listening to the first episode of Curtain Call coming at you from the Brown Rose Theater here in Terre Haute, Indiana. Next week, we'll be talking to John Stewart and his new stage production, his directorial debut of the stage version of Baby's Day Out. Oh, nice. Very exciting. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Oh, my goodness. In the immortal words of the bard himself, probably at some point in his life, goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone, and good night. Au revoir.